the song that we just sang, uh, I believe it was in the Song of Solomon, I am my beloved's and my beloved is mine. What a great song. What a great song service. My, it's good to be here. We love this church and uh, we miss this church. We miss your smiling faces. We miss your fellowship. We miss each and every one of you individually. And it's a pleasure to be here tonight. And I'm not just, I'm just not filling up time to say that. I mean it from the bottom of my heart and the bottom of my soul. It's good to be here tonight. It's good to be with you. Uh, if you would please be turning in your Bible to Acts chapter 2, verse 41. And we'll read through to the end of the chapter. Acts chapter 2, verse 41 is where we'll begin. And knowing human nature, it's been 21 minutes, at least 20 minutes since you came in and sat down. So I'm going to have you stand while we read these uh, last couple of verses of chapter 2. I don't hear any pages turning, so I'm guessing that we're there. Acts chapter 2, verse 41. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. And the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together and had all things common and sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. And they, continuing daily with one accord in the temple and in breaking bread and from house to house, from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily as should be saved. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for this day. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity, Lord, to stand and to read from your word, Lord, and to share your word tonight. Lord, I ask that you would use me tonight. Lord, I ask that you would see fit to use me tonight. Lord, I gladly empty myself of myself. And I ask, Lord, that you would once again, fill me. Lord, put your hand in this old glove and do as you see fit, I ask. Lord, show us something wonderful from your word tonight. Lord, let us behold wonderful things from your word. Bless our time together, we ask in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen. You may be seated. In Acts 2, what time do we normally stop? About 7.30? Who said that? <laughs> Jeez, I feel like I'm back at my church in San Antonio right now. <laughs> About 8 o'clock, okay. All right. That's really what I was hoping to hear. Now, that's what I was used to here in the past. Boy, things change quickly, don't they? In Acts 2, 14 through 36, Peter lifted up his voice and he preached a hot sermon to a whole bunch of people on the day of Pentecost. What a time it must have been to be back in the days of the early church. Peter's sermon in Acts chapter 2 was about 
530 words when translated into English. Peter told many people what they needed to hear that day. It's more than likely that it wasn't what they wanted to hear, though, that given day, if you remember the sermon that he preached. He didn't use a lot of tact. He didn't beat around the bush when he preached. When uh, Shortly after I was saved, the fellow who led me to the Lord told me, Brother Tony, you need to use more tact. Because I would get right to the point in witnessing with someone. I would tell them that they were lost and on their way to hell. Tony, you need to use more tact. Well, Peter didn't get that memo, obviously, because he didn't use much tact when he preached that 530-word, 31-word sermon. He got right to the heart of things. He was, however, filled with the Holy Ghost when he preached those words, I might add. In Acts 2.41 we read, Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. In Acts 2, 47, uh, 2 uh, verse 47, we read, Praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church, to the church daily such as should be saved. That word, their church, is translated from the Greek word ekklesia and is referring to a local body of called out believers. That's what it's referring to. I want to talk about briefly what the church is not. There has been some debate over time about the meaning of the word church. Some men, some women for that matter, have miscommunicated the meaning of the word church. And for many, it is due to their love of money that they have miscommunicated the meaning of church. Some so-called TV evangelists have found that they are able to fleece people. Even God's people. They have spoke about some invisible universal church and they have stolen the tithes and offerings from the local bodies of called out born again believers while doing so. That money then lines the bank accounts of these religious phonies. The money that would have been collected at local churches has been siphoned off for foolishness and vanity. Many people look to our government today to feed them and to clothe them and to house them. The local church could do a far better job of determining who's truly in need than government and then helping them. The local church could do better than government at doing that. Lester Olaf said if welfare worked, it would be well and it would be fair. But we all know that in its current state, it's being abused by many. Much of God's money has been wasted on greed and vanity. 
Much money has been diverted from local orphans, widows, and needy, and sent off to false prophets. This so-called invisible church, universal church, won't care a thing about you when it comes time to bury your mama. They won't be there when it comes time to bury mama. The so-called universal church or the invisible church won't care a thing about you when it comes time for your children to be married either. They won't be there. They won't be there for you. The same universal church or the invisible church won't be there for you when you're sick and shut in. They won't be there for you. They won't do a thing for you. These charlatans only care about their bank accounts and their egos. They'll build fat bank accounts, and when that isn't enough, they buy fancy cars, cars and they build huge monuments to live in. Are you thinking of anyone right now? Maybe like in the Houston area? Sorry. <laughs> Some loser under the name of Pastor Creflo Dollar. Heard of him? Google him. Pastor Creflo, C-R-E-F-L-O Dollar, is saying that Jesus wants him to have a $65 million jet. Beside their private jet, Dollar and his wife, Taffy Dollar, I'm not making this up, they have two Rolls Royces and multiple multi-million dollar homes. They sold one New York City apartment for $3.75 million in 2012. Are you picking up what I'm laying down at this point? These people have siphoned from local churches. And they have built upon their vanity and their pride and their greed. This clown doesn't know the meaning of the word church. He sees church as a way to get rich. And he tricks people who do not know enough about the Bible to rob the local church of tithes and offerings. Have you heard of Benny Hinn? I'll name him. The Apostle Paul did. Benny Hinn, the scam artist with a net worth of $42 million, poses as a preacher and heals people, though he never releases their medical records. He knows exactly what you have to do to make him, uh, I mean uh, you, wealthier. Just send him $1,000. He had this big campaign. This is what church is not. Having said that, I would like to speak now about what church is. I want to talk about what local bodies of called out believers are. The local church is where a lost soul can go to hear preaching of the glorious gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
That's one of the things that the local church is. It was in a local, independent, fundamental, Bible-believing, Baptist church that I first heard of Jesus. I was not saved the first time that I heard the glorious gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, though. I would venture to say that I had probably heard the gospel about every weekend from the age of four to the age of 13. And I was not born again. I was sent to church. I wasn't taken to church. My mother religiously sent me to church. She did not take me to church. If I did the math on that and guessed that I went once a week from the age of four to 13, I may have heard the gospel about 520 times. And still, I was not saved. That's a lot. I was, however, saved in that same local church. It wasn't until I was 15 years of age that I was gloriously born again. The weeks leading up to my being born again were miserable. Did I emphasize that well enough? Miserable weeks for me. A fellow would come to my house every Saturday and give me this very gospel track. This was your life by Chick. Number 001. He gave me this track and started witnessing to me. My grandfather had just gotten saved not long before that and gave me a Bible. It was all part of God looking for me. He knows his own by name and he was calling me out. And his Holy Spirit was wooing me and convincing me and convicting me of my need to be saved. And I was miserable. I knew that if I died, I would fall off and break hell wide open because I knew that I was lost. And I knew that I had to do something about it. I knew that I needed to be saved. And it was in a local church where God revealed that to me. And through shoe leather, a man putting feet to his prayers coming to my door and knocking on my door every Saturday inviting me over to that house over there over to God's house to hear more about the Lord Jesus Christ. Finally, Sunday evening, May 7th, 1978, I was gloriously saved. I thank the good Lord for His soul-winning stations known as the local church. I thank God for the church. The local church is where saved folks assemble together. In Hebrews 10.25 we read, Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. In this modern day we live in, I'll get lubricated up for this. In this Laodicean church age that we live in, you find a bunch of lukewarm, puke-warm people who treat church like a buffet. 
<coughs> they pick and choose which services they will attend. They skip church if a football game is on. It's a buffet. I'll take what I want and I'll leave what I want. Because I'm in control. They'll skip church if a baseball game is going on. They'll skip church if a fight is on TV. Many who could attend choose not to attend Sunday school. They roll in right after Sunday school. Obviously, they're too smart for Sunday school. They don't need it. But they, they choose not to attend. They consciously don't attend Sunday school. Many who could attend choose not to ascend, attend the Sunday evening services. Many who could attend choose not to attend Wednesday evening, midweek services. Some will go to church if there is nothing else better going on. In other words, there was nothing else going on. That's why I chose to go. There was no Barnaby reruns. Anything. Anything can keep some people out of church. I know it's 2015, but I also know that Hebrews 10.25 still in the Bible. Still in the Bible. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as a manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more, as you see the day approaching. Do you know when your Sunday morning worship begins? It begins by getting to bed at a decent hour on Saturday evening. That's when your Sunday morning worship begins. Fact. We all know what it's like to have stayed up too late and to suffer through Sunday school or church and try to stay awake. We all know what that's like. When does my Sunday morning worship begin? By getting to bed at a proper hour on Saturday night. I've watched teenagers struggle to stay awake in church on Sunday morning. Then I find out that they stayed up until 4 o'clock in the morning playing video games or watching TV or a ton of other things. Your Sunday morning worship begins by getting to bed at a decent hour on Saturday evening. Church functions shouldn't be something that we treat like a smorgasbord. Church functions shouldn't be treated like a smorgasbord. Where members pick and choose what they'll take And what they'll leave. Men, when they have a Mother's Day dinner at this church, that doesn't exclude you from attending. You should be here serving. Just because it's a Mother's Day dinner doesn't mean that you're to exclude yourself. You should be here serving. There's something that you can be doing when we assemble ourselves together. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. When they have a family night here on Friday nights, I'd see that as another opportunity to assemble ourselves together and not treat it as a smorgasbord. Why? Why would I see that as as an opportunity to assemble ourselves together? Well, that might be an opportunity for you to serve on a Friday night. 
that might be an opportunity for you to get to know someone better. To sit down and get to know someone better. That might be an opportunity for you to fellowship with someone when your church gets together for family night on a Friday night. That might be an opportunity for you to find out more about the needs of others when we assemble ourselves together for a family night on a Friday night. If you have good health, there's no excuse to miss an opportunity. Is that me? When the church assembles together. It blesses my heart to see someone get saved and have a hunger for the Word of God. We've all seen it. You've seen someone get saved and just get on fire for God. It blesses my heart to see someone get saved and have a hunger, but it equally blesses my heart seeing someone who has been saved for years still have that same hunger for the Word of God. And they don't want to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Some have become like the church of Ephesus and they have left their first love. I'm not the smartest person you'll ever meet. Careful. But I am smart enough to know that I need church. I'm just smart enough to know that I need church. I go out in the world, my feet get dirty. I need church. I'm smart, smart enough to know that I need at least three to five. Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. Minimum. I need three to thrive. I'm just smart enough to know that I need that. I've seen what happens to me when I don't get it. I've worked third shift before and I've had to miss church services. And I know what it's like to go hungry. I know what it does to my walk. I need Sunday school. I need Sunday evening church. Probably Sunday evening church is my favorite. For whatever reason, I don't know. It just seems to be more relaxed. And maybe when some of your B-team singers get to sing, I like them. I like them. I'm one of them. And I like to hear them sing because it shouldn't be about professionalism. Yeah? Curtis Hudson said, I'm not singing because I think I can sing. I'm singing because I have a song in my heart. And I'm singing to the Lord. You just happen to be here and you get to hear it. Like it or not, I'm singing to Him. Maybe that's why I like Sunday night better. I don't know. Always been my favorite. For whatever reason. I need the midweek service. I need that oasis in the middle of my week. I need it. If you're honest, so do you. I'm smart enough to know that faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. My dad's life verse, Romans 10, 17. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. And so much the more, as you see the day approaching. As the manner of some is. Some folks are going to lay out a church no matter what. 
Some folks are going to do what they want to do with regard to what, what, regardless of what God has said about it. They're going to do what they want to do. Some folks are going to feed their flesh while others are feeding their spirit. Some folks are going to choose to be carnal while others are going to choose to be spiritual. It's just a fact. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. But exhorting one another. May I encourage you to be faithful to the assembling of ourselves together? You probably need church more than you know. More than you realize. You probably need church more than you realize, more than you know. I'm exhorted when I'm in church. How about you? I love coming here and seeing you. I love singing our old-fashioned church hymns. Jeremiah 6.16 says, Thus saith the Lord, Stand ye in the ways, and see, and ask for the old paths. Where is the good way? And walk therein. And ye shall find rest for your souls. Hallelujah. I like the old paths, brother. The McCamey sing a song about the old stream. Old Peg says, You can have the new rivers. I'll take the old stream. I like the old way. I like the old song. We passed over a bunch of churches when moving to San Antonio because it didn't take 30 seconds on their website before you knew that they were a carnival or a circus hoping to entertain the flesh with this modern-day movement. I could weed out churches just by looking at their website. Oop, not going there. I just scratched that one right off the list. Had a spreadsheet that big. Church name, address, pastor's name, pastor's cell phone, pastor's email address, whittle, 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 and my list got widower and widower as I whittled it down. I wouldn't give you a plug nickel. You like that old old saying? I wouldn't give you a plug nickel for what many call praise and worship these days. They have their little G. God of a praise and a worship leader, little g God, up there pretending to be the big G God. When it's all about man and nothing about God. You know, do you know who one of the first praise and worship leaders was? I see Aaron maybe as being one of them. At the foot of Mount Sinai. Remember in the book of Exodus? Moses was up on the mount receiving the Ten Commandments. And Joshua heard a, quote, noise of war in the camp. A noise of war in the camp. He heard the music. Their worship music down there. Aaron had given in to that crowd and made them a molten calf to worship. And they were having their little praise and worship leader 
and their little praise and worship team down there dancing around the golden calf that day. They do the same kind of nonsense in this Laodicean age. Do you know that? They pour out smoke onto the stage. Have you seen it? Have you seen some of these churches, what they do now? They pour out smoke onto the stages and they got laser lights and... Yeah, and they say we're having church up in here. Hogwash. Ain't nothing church about that. That's confusion. Give me the old way, brother. They shoot their laser lights all around and they do exactly what the world is doing. You wouldn't know if you were at church or at an Aerosmith concert, for crying out loud. It's no different. You'll never win the world being like them. Not going to happen. You only end up like them. Come out from among them. They play their rock and roll music and they hope to convince you that it's church. And if you disagree with them, beware. It's either Christian or it's rock. It can't be both. Christian rock is an oxymoron. It's an oxymoron. Christian rock. It's like saying, we can listen to our Christian rock and drink some Christian whiskey and smoke some Christian crack cocaine. It's it's just that crazy. It's just that crazy. It's one or the other. It can't be both. God ain't in that mess, brother. They sing their little 7-Eleven songs. You know, the song has seven words about nothing about but babble. And they sing these seven words 11 times, the 7-Eleven songs. Give me the old way. Give me on a hill far away stood an old rugged cross emblem of suffering and shame and I love that old cross where the dearest and best for a world of lost sinners was slain that's the old That's the old stuff. Give me the old ways, brother. You'll find peace therein. Give me John Newton's Amazing Grace, also known as the the Baptist Anthem. Give me Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved Like me, I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. I like the old. In the church where we belong to in Ohio, 
we had a real mix of ages in our membership. We had a good number of silver saints in that number. We sang our songs a little slower there. Let me explain. We have two dogs in our house, Fiona and Sweet Pea. If I cooked a Kobe beef steak on the grill, and if I were give, to give them a piece of that steak, they'd swallow it down like a pill. It'd be gone. They would never really appreciate all the flavor that's in that Kobe beef steak. They wouldn't appreciate the fact that it costs, on average, about $150 a pound for Kobe beef steak. They, would, they wouldn't appreciate the fact that I marinated it for a couple days in Dale's seasoning from Birmingham, Alabama. They just wouldn't appreciate that because they'd swallow it down in an instant like it was a pill. Nor would they appreciate the fact that it was grilled over charcoal versus propane gas. They, they just wouldn't... It wouldn't catch that. They would swallow down meat at 99 cents a pound or $300 a pound, and they would never really appreciate what they just ate. At our church back in Ohio, we sang songs a little bit slower. We savored the flavor, and we had time to think about the words that we were singing. Think about what you're saying. Think about the subject matter. Ooh, I'm a wretch. That's me. Amazing grace. Think about it. Don't just swallow it down like a pill. So refreshing. When we were here Sunday, we looked at each other and it was just like, so refreshing. It's, It's not that way right now for us. The songs are sung so fast that you can't even get into the next verse because you can't get your wind. And it was so refreshing to be here Sunday and to be able to sing and think about the words and just to relish in the flavor and the seasoning of the words that we were singing. Cherish what you have here at the Lakeway Baptist Church. Cherish what you have. I will sing with understanding. We should sing with understanding. The Scriptures tell us that. I'm not saying that we should drag a a one-minute song out to five minutes. I'm not saying that. But I do appreciate contemplating the words and enjoying their flavor and all that went into that song. Another old-fashioned song I like was written by John Newton. The song was written sometime before 1779. John Newton based this song on Psalm 73:25, "Whom have I in heaven but thee? And there is none upon earth that I desire beside thee." The song I'm speaking about is how tedious and tasteless Amazing Grace and How Tedious and Tasteless were Abraham Lincoln's two favorite songs. And they were sung on the White House lawn, if you can believe that. We've come a long way the wrong way. How tedious and tasteless, I'll try my best. How 
tedious and tasteless the hours when Jesus no longer I see. Sweet prospects, sweet birds, and sweet flowers have all lost their sweetness to me. The midsummer sun shines but dim. The fields strive in vain to look gay. But when I am happy in Him, December's as pleasant as May. His name yields the richest perfume and sweeter than music His voice. His presence disperses my gloom and makes all within me rejoice. I would where He always was nigh have nothing to wish or to fear. No mortal as happy as I, my summer would last all the year. Content with beholding His face, my all to His pleasure resigned no changes of season or place would make any change in my mind while blessed with the sense of his love a palace a toy would appear all prisons would palaces prove if Jesus would dwell with me there. Dear Lord, if indeed I am Thine, if Thou art my Son and my song, Say, why do I languish and pine? And why are my winters so long? Oh, drive these dark clouds from the sky. Thy soul-cheering presence restore. Or take me to Thee upon high, where winter and clouds are no more. Old, old songs with meaning. Right after the Civil War, this song came about, and uh, I think Abraham Lincoln saw the hope. He knew the despair, and he saw the hope for a nation. And he knew who the hope was in. Give me the old songs, hymns, and spiritual songs, brother. Give me the old time preaching, praying, singing, shouting. I like the old time worship of the Lord. 
I like the old time stick to itness as well. God give us church members like old Justice in Acts 18.7, who, as God tells us in his word, he joined hard to the church. We need to join hard to the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, give us some men like Justice. God, give us some families like the family of Stephanus in 1 Corinthians 16.15, who, according to the word of God, the family of Stephanus addicted themselves to the ministry. People have all kinds of addictions these days. Prescription drugs, alcohol, heroin. Why not addict yourself to the ministry instead? If you must be addicted to something. I want to encourage you and to exhort you to be the kind of church member that when Brother Stone thinks about you, or when Brother Stone thinks about your family, it puts a smile on his face. I want to encourage you and to exhort you to be the kind of church member that when Brother Preston thinks about you or when he thinks about your family, that he falls to his knees and thanks the good Lord for fitly joining you to this local body of called out believers. The local church is made up of believers who have been purchased with the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Acts 20, 28, we read, Take heed... Therefore, unto yourselves and to all the flock, over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers, to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. We're blood-bought. We're blood-bought. What a glorious thought. What matchless love our Savior shows us, and what matchless love our, our Savior shows us every day in our lives. Let me encourage you this evening to let the mind of Christ dwell in you. And let's be about the master's business here at the Lakeway Baptist Church. I hope that knowing what the local church is not, and knowing what the local church is, will not only provoke thought, but will also provoke change. And will bear fruit to the glory of God. God bless you. Let's pray and be dismissed, right?